Proverbs chapter 4. We'll read from verse 14 down through verse 23 to get a good idea of the passage this evening. We'll be uh, looking all through uh, Proverbs 4 this evening, studying it, preaching it, understanding it, and some other passages around it. Once you've found Proverbs 4, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word, and we'll read from 14 down through verse 23. The Bible says there, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness, they know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. And then verse 23, many of us are familiar with it. Let's read it out loud, can we? Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I'm going to preach a sermon this evening by the title, Wicked Ways Lead to Sin. Wicked Ways Lead to Sin. Let's pray. Lord, help me to be able to articulate the things that you have showed me this week as we've put this message together, you and I. And Lord, as you have showed me areas of my life where I can do things different and better and I can be a better Christian, may you take each one here down that same path. And through the scriptures. And Lord, uh, we pray that your word would be preached in a way that is very clear and understandable. And Lord, that you would do a work in the lives of your people this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor than silver and gold. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. You know what that means? That means you'd rather have a good name and be poor than have lots of money and not have a good name. And I'd say I agree with that. Um, We protect our reputation at all costs. I do it. You do it. We all do it. Our reputation matters. Um, Let's just be honest about a couple of things In the very beginning of the message this evening, number one, we all care about what other people think. Every one of us. Don't sit here tonight and pretend like you don't. Everybody cares what other people think about it. Number two, most everyone, and this would include me, most everyone struggles with some sin that other people don't know about. This is just how it is. Most everyone struggles with a sin... Uh, that uh, that everyone that that most everyone else doesn't know about. Everyone has something in their life. If it were exposed this evening, if it were brought out into the open, uh, if the evidence was laid out and word got around that you struggled with that, at the least you would blush, or maybe you would want to run and hide under a rock and disappear. Uh, most of us are not as holy as we portray ourselves to be. Few of us are as righteous as we would have everyone believe. I'm not going to stand up here this evening and tell you every sin struggle in my life. 
Uh, I'm not going to have you out loud admit what your sin struggles are. But I'd like you this evening, where you are in the pew, where I stand here in the pulpit, I'd like you to take your pious guard down and ask, uh, and I would like to ask you to get real with yourself during this sermon. Quit worrying about what everybody thinks about you, and let's enter that space where what God knows about you. What you know about yourself, and what God knows about you. Now, I'm not going to have anyone stand and admit what they struggle with. I'm not going to have anyone even necessarily write that down. If the Lord has you write that down, that will be between you and Him. But let's just drop the, the, the pious guard, and let's be honest with ourselves this evening. Several months ago, I attended a preacher's meeting. An old uh, uh, seasoned pastor preached a sermon on the Lord's Prayer. It was a powerful, powerful sermon. In his message, uh, he threw out a little sidebar uh, that got my attention. The sidebar is, his sidebar that day is my sermon this evening. Uh, We all know what sin is. Uh, It is the transgression of the laws of God. A sin is anything that I think, anything that I say, anything that I do that breaks God's law. Anything that I think, say, or do that breaks the laws of God. That is the definition of sin. We all struggle with sin and hopefully we all struggle against sin. Hopefully it isn't just that sin is beating you down and you lose every time. Hopefully you stand up and you fight back against it and there is an actual struggle going on. Uh, I'm going to ask some probing questions this evening. The sermon will only be as effective uh, uh, to you as your willingness to participate and be brutally honest with yourself. So here's the first question I want to ask you. I want you to answer within your heart. Here it is. Do you struggle with a habit sin? Do you struggle with a habit sin? If you're sitting there this evening and you're not sure, we're going to get into some specifics and maybe the Lord will make that obvious to you. If immediately you said yes, um, uh, then you're already on the right track. Uh, Let me ask it this way. Is there a sin in your life that you struggle with more than others? Are there sins in your life that you struggle with or even one in particular that you struggle with more than others? And listen, uh, we want to categorize big sins and little sins. And I just want to say, throw labels out. Is there any sin in your life, regardless of what it is, whether you have labeled it as big or little, is there any sin in your life that you struggle with more than others? If so, then you have no doubt experienced this cycle. Here's the cycle. You ready? You sin. You feel guilt over your sin. You confess your sin. Then you go a short to intermediate amount of time without committing that sin. And then you have this false assurance that you've overcome the sin only just to fall right back in it and start all over again. How many know the cycle? How many know what I'm talking about this evening? You sin, you feel guilty, you confess, you go little ways without committing it. You think, oh, I got this beat, whammo. Then it comes and just blindsides you and puts you back in the spiritual ditch. After several loops around this Ferris wheel, uh, if you're like me, you begin to feel as though there is no hope of ever getting off the ride. I struggle with this and I'm always going to struggle with it. 
And uh, you just, then you start making excuses. And I can't help it. Or I was born this way. Or, or, or fill in the blank. Whatever your excuse is. And, and, and you say, well, I know God is powerful enough to give the victory. I, I, I know that that's what the Bible says. But I can't seem to find my way out of the woods or off of this ride. You know the sin you are committing is wrong. But you have no idea how to stop. This evening, I hope to offer you a scriptural approach to victory over habit sin. David prayed this in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. In fact, if you turn there now, I I will probably be done. But mark that because we are going to look at Psalm 139, uh, uh, 23 and 24, along with Proverbs 4. uh, A handful of times we'll go back and reference that. Let me read it there for you. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. David prayed this. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Listen closely here to verse 24. And see... If there be any wicked way, any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If you uh, make a habit of underlining things in your Bible, if it isn't already, can you underline wicked way, wicked way? See if there be any wicked way in me. What is a wicked way? And this is that sidebar that pastor threw out. Uh, that day. He spent 30 seconds on it and I wrote it down and I said, I need to go back and study that and understand it. And boy, I did that this week and boy, the Lord really opened my eyes to some things. What is a wicked way? What is a wicked way? Let's define the words. Wicked in this verse, here's what it means. The root word for wicked means this. It means badly made, of small worth, poor, contemptible. Badly made, of small worth, poor, contemptible. It is, it is wicked. It is badly made. It is of small or little worth. It is poor in its nature. In fact, most would look at it and just say, that is putrid, that is abominable, that is contemptible, that is wicked. Uh, how about the word way? Wicked way. The word way, I think if we all take a moment and think about it, we know what the word way means, don't we? It's a road. It's a path. It's a street. It's a boulevard. It's an avenue. And really big paths or ways are interstates or parkways. Um, You ever notice that we park on driveways and drive on parkways? Kind of backwards, isn't it? Anyway, that has nothing to do with the sermon. Uh, but uh, a wicked way. A wicked way. So uh, I want to just say this quickly here. Roads take us places. Roads take us places. You all tracking with me this evening? When David prayed that God would reveal the wicked way in him, he was praying that God would show him the roads or paths or behaviors that were leading him into wickedness. Lord, I don't want to just know what the wickedness is in my life. I want to know what the path is that I'm traveling down that's getting me into the wickedness. Lord, what are the paths that I frequent that are leading me into sinful behavior? Imagine that you are at the starting point of a road. This road has lots of enjoyable restaurants your favorite stores, lots of entertainment stops, lots of laughs, and all kinds of other attractive offers. 
as you stand at the entry point of this road, you cannot see where it leads. Each store, each restaurant, and good time in and of itself, in and of itself is harmless and sinless. But as you continue down this road, you realize that it comes to an abrupt end and lands in the slimy pit of sin. That, my friend, is a wicked way, a wicked way. David was praying that God would reveal to him not the wickedness, but the path that led him into the wickedness. If he could somehow avoid the path at its onset, then he could avoid the wickedness altogether. If you feel as though I'm stretching the scriptures this evening, then just stay with me. As we journey through Proverbs chapter 4, I think you will see that my interpretation of what a wicked way is, is quite accurate. Let's look at three main thoughts uh, as we take a very personal and powerful look at this topic, wicked ways lead to sin. My outline this evening is quite simple. Notice number one, our pitfalls, our pitfalls. So what are the various sin struggles that Christians uh, uh, deal with, struggle with in high volume? Uh, I believe Proverbs 4 uses the reverse effect to show us what these struggles are. Look with me at verse number 20. Every time I pause, if you don't mind, read the next word together as a congregation. All right? Here we go. Look at verse 20. My son, attend. Now, next to my Bible, in my Bible, off to the side of attend, I have the word mind written. What do you attend with? You attend with your mind. You have to use your brain to attend. My son, attend to my words. Pay attention to my words. Ready? Incline thine unto my saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Stay with me here. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee ponder the path of thy feet and let thy ways be established turn not to the right hand nor to the left remove thy foot from evil so the bible has laid out here for us the mind the ear the eyes uh, the heart the flesh the mouth and the feet Uh, i believe that's seven one two three four, five, six, seven ways that Christians sin. Now, I'm going to give you uh, some things below each one of these seven that I believe that Christians struggle with uh, in high volume. What I mean is a large majority of Christians struggle with these things. And I also believe that with many of these things, we do our best to hide these sins. We don't want others to know that we struggle with these sins because if word were to get out that we struggled with one of these sins, then, uh, then our stock at church might drop. Uh, the opinion that the deacons or pastors, pastoral staff have of us might go down. Might even my husband or my wife might think less of me. So let's take these one at a time in the order they are in scripture. And let me just give for you, by the way, this list doesn't get everything, but I believe it gets a good chunk of sins that struggle. And And as I list these off, uh, and you can use the back of your paper. There's a spot below for notes. You can write these in. You're going to have to write quick there. But as I rattle these off, um, uh, I would encourage you. 
to carefully put a small check mark by the ones that you believe you struggle with, all right? And by the way, let's be honest with each other. Don't look over at someone else's paper. And if you're married tonight, don't be putting checks on your spouse's paper, okay? Uh, Don't do that, all right. Uh, The first one here is mind, the mind. Um, Here are three things I listed about the mind that I believe are common sins with Christians. Uh, fear. By the way, below fear, you can branch it out into many things. What does the Bible tell us? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Philippians 4, I believe it's verse 6, says, Be careful or anxious or fearful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Christians, you are not to worry, you're not to fear, you're not to waller in anxiety. If you struggle with this, listen, I'm going to hit everybody by the time we get through this list, and I'm going to hit myself several times. So don't think I'm picking on anyone, but I just want you to see from Scripture what our sins are. Fear, faithlessness. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 uh, that anything we do without faith is a sin. Amen? We must live by faith. If, if I uh, uh, am frustrated because the way things are going in my day or my life, that means I'm not walking by faith. I'm walking by sight. So faithlessness, anger, anger, uh, anger. I believe that uh, the Bible is really clear that to be angry, to lose your temper, uh, uh, to, uh, to do so is in every case and always a sin. Now, that's the first time you're hearing me make that statement. Uh, I can lay out a strong, strong case in Scripture with that. Let's not get hung up on a technicality here, but please understand that anger oftentimes starts in the mind. We dwell on things. We don't want to let go of things and we we, we have a mentality and a mindset of the way we want things to go. Uh, Ephesians 4.31 tells us that we're to put all anger along with a list of other things away from us uh, uh, with all malice. So uh, sins of the mind. Uh, next. Ear. Ear. Um, sinful music. Sinful entertainment. And the wrong crowd. Now, uh, one of these days I'm going to do a sermon on music. I've talked about it. I have not yet done it. But I want to make sure I do it right and I do it well. And it will be a principle-based sermon. But can I tell you there's music out there that just honors and worships the devil. That you shouldn't be listening to. There is music that's going to influence you and encourage you to think like the devil, talk like the devil, and act like the devil. In fact, a lot of the world's music, you know what it honors? It honors sin, self, and sexuality. That's what a lot of the world's music honors. Sin, self, and sexuality. And you're pumping that in your ears, and then you're wondering why you're not becoming like Christ. And I get that music is a hard thing uh, for folks to give up, but it is something the Lord wants you to walk with Him, and He wants to give you victory over. How about sinful entertainment? Uh, uh, right after Angela and I uh, got married, uh, we lived right next to a blockbuster. How many remember when blockbusters were a thing? And uh, this wasn't the blockbuster days when they were, uh, what is that, VHS, uh, VCR, where you put This was the DVD days of blockbuster. But we got a blockbuster subscription. I could walk out of my apartment and be in blockbuster in two minutes. And uh, we watched a lot of movies. And I have to tell you, some of the movies we watched together, they weren't so godly. The Lord had to work with me and work with my wife uh, on that. But we pump, we are pumping in we're pumping. Listen, I know Christians that won't listen to rock music on the radio, but they'll listen to it in a movie. I know Christians that won't curse or won't hang around people that curse, but they'll listen to it in a movie. 
They'll go listen to it in a movie, and it's having an effect on you. It could be a wicked way that leads to sin. And then there's just the wrong crowd. Quickly here, you don't have to hang out with the guys outside taking a smoke break at work just because you have a 15-minute break. Go find somewhere else. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to hang around people who are going to filthy up your ears. You can give that to the Lord. Let's move on to the next one here, eyes. Eyes. Uh, I have uh, two here, sexual lust and material lust. And I believe one would probably be more aimed at men, and the other one might be a little more, 51% maybe, aimed at women. Uh, now, I believe that men and women struggle with sexual lust and material lust, but I read a statistic the other day that one, according to, and this isn't a Christian Christian survey, uh, according to a poll, or not even a poll, according to research data of internet usage, the, 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 let's see, the, the uh, conclusion drawn was that one in three men consume pornography on a regular basis. One in three. In fact, a porn website made the top ten of most websites visited in the U.S. of A. last year. Sexual lust. You don't even have to necessarily be addicted to hardcore pornography to struggle with sexual lust. We live in a day and time where um, uh, immodesty is used to sell just about everything. How about material lust? First John 5 tells us that uh, the, the three roots of sin are pride, lust of the eyes, and lust of the flesh. And uh, 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 one of those would definitely fit material lust. And next to that, you could even write down covetousness, wanting things that I just can't have. Can I tell you what credit card debt is? It's material lust. It's material lust. If you are up to your eyeballs in credit card debt, and by the way, I've been there. I understand. Uh, Look, I'm guilty of this one too, all right? But if you're up to your eyeballs in credit card debt, you know what you're doing? You're saying, I want that now, even though I don't have the money to afford it. Now, I get there are some folks in certain circumstances, uh, you you lose your job and you got to pay bills and you land on credit cards. I've been there, too, as well. Not every instance of credit card debt uh, is material lust, but oftentimes it is. Eyes. How about the next one here listed in Scripture? The heart. The heart. Pride. Stubbornness. Laziness. Pride. Well, I'll do it my way. I don't want to do it the Spirit of God's way. I want to do it my way. Stubbornness. I'm going to dig my heels in, and and I'm right. Even if I know deep down I'm wrong, I still am going to come across as right. You know what pride and stubbornness bring you in marriage? It brings you a fight that just doesn't come to an end. Because I, I will be right. And it doesn't matter. And one thing I've had to remind myself in my marriage and in many other relationships is if, 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 if I win and my wife loses, we both lose. If I win and she loses, we both lose. By the way, I'm not very good at arguing, and so I generally, anyway, anyway, uh, pride and stubbornness. Uh, here's another one, laziness. We have an epidemic, and again, I'm not meaning to pick on anyone individually here. Uh, I believe, like I preached this morning, we ought to have a heart for everyone. We have an epidemic in 2019 of people who are my age and younger. They're just flat out lazy. They don't know how to get out of bed at a decent time, and they stay up to all hours of the day and night playing video games. And uh, many of them even have college diplomas, but they're still living with mom and dad. They're not going to work. They're lazy. They're lazy. You know what that is? That's a problem with the heart. That's a sin of the heart. 
The next one mentioned here in uh, Proverbs 4 is our flesh. Our flesh. Gluttony. You all know what gluttony is, right? This is the great Baptist sin. This one doesn't get preached on a lot. Gluttony is just flat out overeating. And, you know, uh, when Paul hit hard on it, I believe it was the book of Romans. I, I may not have the right book. But when Paul hit hard on gluttony, the culture back then was you would stuff yourself to a place where you couldn't eat anymore. You go into a private area and you stick your finger down your throat and make yourself throw up so that you could go eat more. Okay, that was the excess. I don't know anyone that does that. I, I just don't. Uh, I know people who stick their finger down their throat and make themselves throw up because, you know, they have this skewed opinion about their weight. But I don't know anyone that does it just so they can go and eat more. But can I tell you, gluttony in 2019 looks a little bit different. Gluttony in 2019 is just eating a little bit more than I probably ought to every single meal. You know, when 6 o'clock rolls around, if you're not hungry, you don't have to eat. Right? Uh, when you go to a buffet, you don't have to get up and get that fifth plate. You all with me here? It's okay to learn how to say no and, and to eat even in a way that's uh, healthy. Now, I'm standing up here and I'm wearing a suit with stripes that run this way so that I can give myself a little bit more authority to preach on this topic this evening. Uh, listen, again, I'm hitting all of us and some of these even hit me. The other one here is fornication. Now, we hit sexual lust earlier. That's the eyes, the mind, the heart. Uh, but fornication is the acting out of that lust with your physical flesh. This would be those who are living together prior to marriage. This would be all homosexual sins. I don't think we have any members of our church that necessarily struggle uh, with, with these things that I would be aware of. But fornication, nonetheless, is a sin of the flesh. Uh, quickly here, notice mouth and lips. Mouth or lips. And, um, and listen, here's one that we all, we all have struggles with. Gossip. Gossip. Slander, complaining, cursing, lying. Okay. How many of you here are willing to admit right on the spot at least one of these you struggle with? And my hand's up. My hand's up. Probably more than one. Can we all do something here? Can we all just make a decision in this room right here that if we have a problem with someone else in the room, that we won't talk about it with other people that go to our church? You know that's sin, right? For you to go around and talk about it with other people. You to go to the person or you to go uh, to the Lord. And that's it. That's it. You're not to go to anyone else. And, and again, I've, I've laid out the difference in gossip and slander. Gossip is when you talk about, uh, when, when you're sharing news that's either inflated or sensationalized or flat out untrue. Slander is when it's true, but it's negative, and you're just tearing somebody down. Do we all struggle with complaining a little bit? I remember I gave my uh, Sunday school class back at my previous church, I gave them the challenge, go seven days without complaining once. We came back the next day and I said, all right, how many of you made it? Nobody made it. Nobody made it. But we all understand complaining is a sin. Now, uh, we, we, we are really good at masking and masquerading these sins, but they do not please the Lord. All right. Uh, lastly here, out of Proverbs 4, we see that the feet are mentioned. And I have two areas down here. Skipping church. 
skipping church. Do you know it's a sin to skip church? Now, if you're sick, you're legitimately sick, I believe there's grace. The Lord extends you there. He doesn't want you here if you have the flu or pneumonia, all right? Uh, if you should be in a hospital, don't be in church. You go to the hospital, all right? If you really are sick or there is some extenuating circumstance that the Lord completely understands, that's great. But, you know, just to sit on the couch when a church service is going on and go, eh, I think I'd rather watch football. Eh, I think I'd rather go shopping. Eh, uh, that, that is a sin, You all get that this evening? That is a sin. We're commanded in Hebrews 10 that we're not to forsake when the church assembles. And so skipping church and then just attending other sinful locations in a bar, in a nightclub, going uh, to a place where sin is glorified and glamorized and attending those places uh, on purpose, uh, that would be a sin with the feet. So we see our pitfalls. Okay, how many of you here this evening? At least one of the ones mentioned in church or the Holy Spirit brought another sin to mind. You say, something mentioned here is a pitfall in my life. Would you hold up your hand? I have at least one pitfall that I struggle with. Okay, let's move on and notice number two, our paths. Our paths. Letter A, notice the paths of wickedness. The paths of wickedness. Below that, look at its darkness. Its darkness. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. And look at verse number 19. It says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. Is as darkness. Jesus said in John 3, 19, He says, And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world. And men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Somewhere on your note this evening, on your your outline this evening, write this down. Sin thrives in the shadows. Sin thrives in the shadows. Uh, When we do wrong and we have a sin, a habit sin, we struggle with, we do our best to minimize who all will know that. You may remember Achan who went in and stole the items from Jericho. Uh, A very small group of people knew he stole that. His wife and his children, and they were sworn to secrecy. Why? Because he took it under the cover of night. He hid it uh, beneath his tent, and he made sure to minimize who all knew uh, of that sin. There was one other person that knew of Achan's sin, and Achan seemed to forget that that person knew, and his name was God. God knew about Achan's sin, and God knows about your sin struggle. He knows about my sin struggles. And when we're walking down that way that leads into that pitfall, what we'll find is that that path is masked in darkness. There are shadows. There are opportunities to do wrong that very few, if any, know about. Hey, maybe your husband or wife or your children know, but maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Maybe this is something you've been even been able to, to, to fool even your family with. It's darkness. Notice next, it's deception. It's deception. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 19 again. Look here. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. They know not at what they stumble. You know what this is? This is someone who is doing things that's leading them into the pit. And they don't even realize that the things getting them there are in their life or that they're wrong. 
or that they're wrong. I'm going to uh, highlight the, this point with an illustration here in a few minutes. But uh, let me, before we do that, let me give you a couple more verses. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 says, The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor. Then it says this, But the wicked, the way of the wicked seduceth them. It seduceth them. It, it, it fools them. It deceives them. It seduces them. It draws them in in a way that is deceptive. We're walking down these paths that we think there's nothing wrong with these paths. And the next thing we know, whammo, we have fallen into sin. We have fallen into wickedness. Why? Because this path, this wicked way, it's, it's shrouded in darkness and it, it is a path of deception. Let's contrast the path of deception with the path uh, of, of wisdom, or rather the path of wickedness with the path, letter B, of wisdom. David said in Psalm 139, 14, he said, And see if there be any wicked way in me. You know what David was saying here? He was saying, Lord, I have searched my heart. I have looked high and low for the entry points and the wicked ways that, uh, the, the way that leads to wickedness in my life. I have done my best to get off of all of these paths that are taking me into wickedness. And, and Lord, I don't know of any others. Lord, you show me the paths because they're deceptive and I don't see them and I don't even know they're there. Lord, will you search my heart and try me and show me the wicked ways? In contrast, the paths of wisdom. Look at Proverbs chapter 4 and look at verse number 5. Look up at verse number 5 with me. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom and with all thy getting get understanding. Look down at verse number 11. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. Now, again, this passage, Proverbs 4, is a contrast of two roads we can walk down. We can walk down the path of wisdom or we can walk down the path of wickedness. We can go down a path that leads us to uh, uh, helping others and helping myself. Or we can go down a path of self-destruction and leading others into destruction. Let me give you a couple of characteristics about the path of wisdom. Notice its brightness. Its brightness. Look back with me at Proverbs chapter 4 and uh, verse number 18. But the paths of the just is as the shining light. It's as the shining light. Hey, what's one thing you can know? What, what, what's, one, what, what's one characteristic that would tell you if the path that you're walking on tomorrow is the right path or the wrong path? The path of wickedness or the path of wisdom? Hey, is the light of God's word shown all over? Can I say undeniably that this path I'm on pleases the Lord. I have to tell you, there are all sorts of things in my life. I can't give you a Bible verse that support it or destroy it. You with me? I can't tell you if it's good or if it's bad. In fact, I can't tell you if it's moral or immoral. Some things land in a category that I will just label as amoral or maybe not moral. And you know what? Those things need to be held up to the Lord and say, are these things contributing factors that are causing me to fall into sin? Proverbs 4.19 says that the paths I walk down ought to be illuminated by the word of God. Psalm 119.165 tell us that uh, God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light 
unto our path. Is the word of God shining on it and approving the path that I'm walking down? It's brightness. Notice next, it's benefits. It's benefits. I'm the one that put the, the slideshow together. And so a couple of these didn't make it on there, but you can jot them down in your notes. It's benefits. Look down at verse number 18. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Hey, you know what this path of wisdom leads us to? It leads us to sanctification. You all with me this evening? Every day that I walk down the path of wisdom a little bit further, I become a little bit more like the Lord Jesus Christ. The further I get down this path, God brightens the path more and more. And there will be a day where I step off life's path and I step onto heaven's shore and I look down at myself and I look up at the Savior and I say, You have made me into the image of your Son. Boy, that process will be complete. Philippians 1.6 tells us, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. That day of Jesus Christ where Jesus comes back and he raptures us uh, in the air and we stand in his presence and we're made whole. Boy, the path of wisdom. Uh, look with me, if you will, at verse number 8. Look at verse number 8, and it talks about walking down the path of wisdom and the benefits that come from it. Look at verse 8. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, my, hear O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life, the years of thy life shall be many. There is a path that we walk down in life. The items on that path, the habits on that path, the thought process and mentalities on that path may or may not be sinful. But when we do those things together, what we find is we get to the end of that path and there's a sharp fall off into a sin habit we've been struggling with. Lord, would you show me my wicked ways? Let's move on to number three and notice the process. The process. Okay, pastor, I see it now. There are paths in my life which I need to leave. How do I do it? Well, let me give you what I believe will be something that you can review and revisit and go back to. This is something the Lord has given me. I plan on pulling this out on a regular basis and asking the Lord to use this in my life to get me out of the pitfalls that I seem to keep falling into. Notice how this works here. Letter A, notice the word ask. Ask. Will you go back to Psalm 139 with me in verse 23? Psalm 139 and verse number 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. You hear David's plea to the Lord? Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Here he is saying, Lord, will you please show me my wicked ways? Will you show me these paths that I'm walking down that are leading me into the pitfalls? Ask. Letter B, admit. Admit. Now, this will not work until you get serious with God about your sin. Can I tell you the problem that most Christians have 
is they don't see their sin the way God sees their sin. We are so used to the sin in our life that we've just come to accept it as acceptable. And God says it's not acceptable. That is getting between me and you in a relationship that I want to have with you. And so when I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, I know that I have this sin in my life. What is the path that's getting me into that pit? Lord, I want you to show me. And God comes back and says, these things in your life are the combination that's putting you into that habit. Am I going to be willing to admit that those things the Lord is bringing to my heart and I need to be serious about changing? Or am I just going to shrug and say, yeah, but, you know, I enjoy that. Yeah, but, you know, where's the Bible verse that says it's wrong? Well, are we concerned about book, chapter, and verse, or are we concerned about getting out of the pit? Are we, are we concerned about what, well, what's wrong with it, or are we concerned about, Lord, I want to be victorious in this sin struggle in my life? We ask the Lord, and then we must openly, verbally to the Lord admit that those things are wrong. Listen to what Job chapter 22 verse 15 says. It says, Hast thou marked the old way when wicked men, which, rather, which wicked men have trodden? Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden? How about Proverbs 15:9? The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord. Hey, even the path that gets me into wickedness, not even, not just the wickedness, but the journey that I go down in my mind and heart and life that lands me in the pit of wickedness, even the way the Lord looks at and says that way is an abomination in my sight. Ask, admit, let her see, abandon, abandon. Listen closely to what Isaiah said in chapter 55 verse 7. He said, let the wicked forsake his way. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The Lord brings something to your heart and says, there are some things in your life that you're doing, a combination of of, of things in your life that you're doing that are leading you down a path that's causing you to land in deep sin and habitual sin. And I want you to set those things to the side. Hey, it may not be wrong for Mark to do it. It may not be wrong for Ben to do it. It may not be wrong uh, 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 for Valerie to do it, but it's wrong for you to do it because it's leading you into wickedness. And God says, I hate it. And it needs to stop because those things are triggers in your life that are leading you into sin. And you must say, Lord, I've asked, you've showed me, I admit for me it's wrong. I'm going to abandon the path altogether. Ask, admit, abandon. Letter D, notice, avoid. Avoid. Go back to Proverbs chapter 4 and look at verse number 14. Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse number 14 with me. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Now, that's a pretty straightforward verse, is it not? 
Hey, the Lord has shown me the path that's getting me into wickedness. I'm to forsake, Isaiah tells us. And then here, Proverbs 4.14, we're told, don't even get, don't put one foot on the path. Don't even begin on the journey. Hey, don't go to the road and take two steps on it and say, well, I'm not going any further. Don't even enter in at the gate. But then, to make the point even stronger, look at verse 15. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. You know what he's saying? Don't even go in the direction of that road. Don't go anywhere near it. You, you know where that path is? Then you make sure you go, even if it's inconvenient, you go way out of your way so that your eyes never even make contact with the entry point. Avoid. Avoid. Letter E, notice, attend. Attend. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. In verse number 20 with me. We are to attend. And I believe that this word is a powerful word. And when we read verse 20 down through verse 27. With the understanding that this is how we get off of the path of wickedness. And onto the path of wisdom. Boy he lays out for us the formula right here in verse number 20. He tells us how to attend. My son attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. And again this is, uh, this is Solomon giving instruction to his son who would take over the kingdom. He would say, listen to the words of the wise. Listen to the words of wise counsels. Look at verse 21. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Look at verse 24. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips uh, put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee, ponder the path of thy feet, and let all the ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Attend. You know what that means? That means pay close attention. Pay close attention. Pay close attention to stay away from sin, and pay close attention to get in your heart righteousness, and guard that at all cost. I preached a sermon a few years ago entitled The Keep Commandment. And we talked about all of the things that word keep means in Scripture. It's the idea of putting a fence around and keeping bad things out. Let me tie the sermon together with a personal illustration, if I can. And I've shared this before, but boy, it sure fits uh, appropriately here. I want to share with you how... Uh, This has worked for me, how this process has worked for me. And I pray the Lord will help me to put this process in place with other struggles. I was born into a family of seven. And I was born the oldest of seven, rather. And uh, I I have struggled from the time I was knee-high to a grasshopper with an angry spirit. I would lose my temper at the drop of a hat. and I'm very competitive in nature, and, and, and it's still there. It's been tempered. The Lord's given me a little bit of victory in that area uh, as far as being overboard with it. But when I was younger, I was especially competitive. And I, if I didn't get my way, I, I would pitch a fit, especially in the area of sports. I have slammed many basketballs against many backboards. I have punched many padded walls behind the hoop. I have uh, broken tennis rackets. I have broken ping pong tables and ping pong paddles. And I have smashed ping pong balls uh, into annihilation. I have yelled and screamed and hollered. I remember once I was playing tennis and the game didn't go my way. And I took every 
tennis ball I could find in about a five-minute period, and I hit it further than Mark McGuire hit any of his home runs. I whacked them out of sight as far as they could be hit, and then I broke the the racket uh, after that. And I remember at 16 years old, my family had moved uh, to Baltimore. My dad was starting a Christian school, and uh, uh, we had the basement there of that property, and uh, it, we uh, I was there a lot with him, helping him uh, with getting school up and going, and just doing things and doing a lot of lifting. We had some downtime, and there was a ping pong table there. And my brother and I, and my dad, and and the pastor, and a couple other people, we we'd play ping pong. I, I was always able to control myself in front of the pastor, but uh, around my family, I just couldn't control myself. And I can remember when the game wouldn't go my way, I, I would break a ping pong paddle and my dad would make me work to earn the money to buy another one to replace it. And I'd break that one and I'd break the next one. And uh, I remember one day I had lost my temper several days in a row or at least several weeks in a row. And I remember I lost it on a level where I actually broke the table. And I began to weep. I'm 16, 17 years old. And I go and I sit down on the stairs and I... Uh, I finally got up and I walked into the pastor's office and I sat there and I looked at him and I said, I can't control my temper. I want to. This is a pitfall in my life that I, I just can't get, get around. I just can't get past. I have an angry spirit. I've had an angry spirit, especially when it comes to sports, ever since I was a little guy. What do I do? That poor pastor, I, he wasn't ready for me to come in and ask him that. He just looked at me and said, I really don't know what to tell you, but I'll pray for you. And I said, do that. Pray for me, please. I would go off to college. I would meet Angela. We would get married. The angry spirit was still there. I remember uh, I had been hired at Granite Baptist Church and only been working there for a few months. Matthew was maybe five or six months old. And I came home from work and I'd had a stressful day and wasn't in the best of moods. And uh, Angela said something to me that was sort of cross and I lost my mind. I I uh, began to throw items around the house. I, at one point, put a hole in the drywall. And I've never laid a hand on my wife. I've never hit my wife, never planned on hitting my wife. But uh, what I was doing was intimidating her and scaring her. I even got in her face and was yelling at her. And I looked down at my six-month-old son who just cherished and adored and loved me. And he, I looked at him, and there was fear in his eyes. And he began to scream and cry. And I began to feel... Great guilt over the way I had been behaving. Went on a long walk that day there in Glen Burnie and walking up and down Oakwood Road and began to pray and say, Lord, I need victory over this pitfall. Will you give me victory? I made my way into the pastor's office uh, uh, the day, next day or two and I, I framed it as though I was helping a church member with anger although it was really me that was seeking help with anger. And I said, um, how do you help someone who can't get around an angry spirit? He looked at me and he said, he said, Richard, you have to get to the place where you accept that anger is always a sin. And I said, no, it's not. I quoted to him Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And he opened the scriptures and he explained to me how that I missed, was misunderstanding the verse. And I didn't want to admit uh, outwardly that he was right. I kind of went back and forth with him a little bit. And finally, after some time of studying the scriptures and, and, and listening some preaching on the topic, I dropped to my knees and I accepted that getting angry, being angry, was always a sin every single time. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I want to overcome this anger. Show me 
my wicked way. I didn't word it that way, but I said, Lord, show me the path that's leading me to this angry spirit. And over the next several weeks, the Lord began to deal with my heart about some things that needed to go in my life. He said, there's some entertainment in your life that's aggravating your anger. Social media in your life has gotten out of control. I want you to cut out social media, all of it. Now, um, is watching TV a sin? I don't believe it is. But can I tell you that even watching TV that isn't sinful in excess can lead to an angry spirit? Or to your pitfall? Is having a Facebook account a sin? No, it's not. Is being on Twitter a sin? Absolutely not. Having an Instagram account? Nope. Can those things lead to the pitfall that you keep landing in? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. The Lord also said, there are some food items that you're putting in your body. And when you eat this combination of food, boy, it's causing you to be angry in your spirit. I want you to limit or delete these food items out of your life. But show me a book, chapter, and verse that says it's sin. Oh no, that wasn't the attitude to have. The wicked, the way you're walking on is leading you into wickedness. It's time for you to forsake that way. Time for you to forsake that way. Now, Christian, I don't know what your pitfall is, but you do. You do. I don't know what elements are leading you into that pit, but God does. Here's what I want to ask you. Are you willing to admit that your sin is wrong before a holy God and ask Him to show you the wicked way, the wicked, the way that's getting you into that wickedness? And if He shows you, are you willing to make radical changes in your life? What if God were to say to you, I want you to get rid of your Facebook account? If you do it, along with this, you'll lower your chance of sinning in that area. Would you be willing to say, Lord, I don't see where it's wrong in Scripture, but I know you hate that path that's getting me to my wickedness. Lord, you're dealing with me, this with me in my heart. I'm willing to let it go. It's a process. It's a process you must commit to. It's a process that's going to require radical change. Are you willing to walk down that path? Are you humble enough to say, Lord, I will do it your way? By the way, since that day where I made those changes in my life, I have still lost my temper from time to time. I'm going to guess that all the way to the grave, there will still be a natural leaning toward being angry. But I am happy to tell you that all these years removed... Now, ten years removed from the day that I flipped my lid on my wife and my son, that the occasions of me losing my temper have gotten, uh, the, 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 the severity of losing the temper has lessened, and the times of losing my temper has greatly spread out, as the Lord is working to give me victory in that area. Are you willing to forsake the way? Turn over your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. We'll finish the sermon here this evening. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Look with me at verse number 14. It's a verse that we all have heard. If we don't have it memorized, if there are those of you that don't have it memorized, I believe everyone who comes to church regularly enough is at the least familiar with the verse. Look here. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face. Look at this next one. And turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. You know, Christian, it's not enough for you to pray for America. It's not enough for you to seek God's face about America. God wants you to neglect, to forsake, to abandon the path that leads to wickedness. Could it be that America continues to fall deeper and deeper into the depravity of sin? In part because its Christians are not willing to identify the wicked ways that they are on? Could it be that if we would turn from, if we would abandon these wicked ways, that God would begin to heal our country? Let me just give you here an example, and I laid this out for myself, and I'm going to be using this. If you'd like for me to email this to you, jot your email address down on a piece of paper and give it to me after church, I'd be happy to email you with what I'm about to share to you here. Lord, I struggle with fill in the blank. What is the path or way that is leading me to this wickedness? Lord, I admit that these things in my life that you are telling me I need to change or I need to add or take out of my life. Lord, here is my plan to radically change so that I uh, do not walk down this path that leads me into the mire of my wickedness. Lord, thank you for getting me out of the pit and the path that leads to the pit. Give me the strength today to avoid the entry point to that path. Help me to walk the path of life everlasting. Help me to have the light of truth expose the darkest corners of my heart and life. Help me to bask in and to relish uh, uh, the benefits that come with living inside of your perfect will for my life. Lord, help me to be accountable, to make myself accountable to fill in the blank. Help me to seek counsel when I struggle. Help me to keep and guard my heart. Help me to identify potential entry points to the path of wickedness. Keep me from the sin of, fill in the blank, of the sin that the Lord has showed you that you struggle with. Christian, tonight, are you willing to say, Lord, I'm ready to make radical changes? If God were to come to you in the next few days and through His Spirit convict you and say, I want you to get rid of your smartphone. Or, I want you to put accountability on your smartphone. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to say, Lord, if my right eye offends me, I'm going to pluck it out. Now, not literally pluck it out, but I'm willing to do the things that would help me not walk down that path. Christian, are you ready to do business with God tonight about the struggles that are in your heart? Lord, I pray tonight you'd help us to not only identify the wickedness, but the path that leads to the wickedness. Help us, Lord, to walk down the path of wisdom and, Lord, to walk down paths of righteousness. Lord, would you help your people in this room to do business tonight? May we ask. May we admit. May we abandon. May we avoid and may we attend. And, Lord, help us to be free from habitual sin. In Jesus' name.